And now I have some handkerchiefs laying here that I wish that Brother Sassman or someone would remind me just before I go to prayer for the sick to pray over. It is very needy, and anyone who desires one, I will be glad to pray for them. And then if you do not have a handkerchief and you want me to pray over one for you, I'd be glad to do it if you would just lay it up here. And if you forget it, just write me down to Jeffersonville, Indiana, and I'll send you a little cloth. I, we handkerchiefs are pretty expensive, you know, when you send thousands a week. So a little cloth, and you keep it in your Bible in Acts 19, where the order of it is at. And we'd be glad to send you one. Nothing, no cost. And you'll, it's not to get your address, friends. Many times these little tricks and things like that, that, they want your address so they can keep asking you for money. But I, I don't have any program to sponsor. I don't have any radio program, any television program. I don't have nothing but just the Lord Jesus. And, I, and he takes care of me. So I don't have any programs or anything. It's hard for me to get someone to answer my mail. And I'll be glad to do the best that I can to help you to pray that God will heal and will do the things that you're asking him to do. This has been a, a great day for me. I, after having breakfast, as uh, doing these meetings, I don't eat just in the afternoons seldom because of the services. I was walking on the streets after breakfast this morning with my precious friends, the Sothmans and the Normans, Leo and Jean, my recording boys. And I was in a little Bible store up here and I met a young lady from Whitehorse, way up in the Yukon, a Christian. And how happy I was to meet the the young woman, and she gave me the address of her husband so that I could write him. All right, sister dear. Thank you, and God bless you. And then coming back to the uh, place where we had had breakfast when we were going out, two gentlemen were sitting there who spoke to Brother Softman, and they were believers, Christian brothers who had just come in for the meeting. Then coming back in front of the place where we had eaten, I met a group of people that drove all the way from Dawson Creek over here, and last night, French-Canadian Catholic, and was saved in the meeting last night. How blessed it was to see that this people loving the Lord Jesus, and we are so happy for those people. And tonight it was said to by Brother Sassman that uh, we would have two services tomorrow. One in the afternoon, a gospel service, and then pray for the sick tomorrow night. The reason they did this is because of so many out-of-town people coming. Now, you people who has your post of duty at your church, we ask you to, to attend your post of duty, of course. Your church is the post of duty. Now, the reason we set the meetings like this is because I feel that I have lots of friends in Canada, and I uh, are very grateful for my friends everywhere. 
I'm expecting to go to heaven with you someday. And, and I have had very much pulling the other morning, just think, before I could even put on my shirt when I was home. I started answering the phone when I took the mask off of it at 7 o'clock, and at 2 o'clock that afternoon, I'd never left the phone from 7 till 2. That's just on one phone, too, where we can answer on four. And that's people calling for meetings, and you can imagine how hard it is. To make decisions, it's hard to do. But in the midst of all of this, I felt that I wanted to come to Canada, up here to Saskatoon. It's been a long time since I've been here. And I know there's people here who was probably in my meeting when I was here the first time. We was over to the Apostolic Church and then come down here, and the little arena was packed out with the people. And I can see, of course, the falling away. Now, we expect that. It's got to be that way. But I'm grateful for you that are going on. Now, the reason we said it, and many of you are wondering why we don't take up offerings. It was asked me by a party today, why no offerings? Well, my dear friend, that's the thing that's out of the picture to us. We never come to get money from you. We come to help you. And the money that you have, you, you need it for your own church. And it was by the grace, and I mustn't say who it is because they might not want me to, but two men sitting present now paid every penny of them. That's right. Just so for their people, they're both Canadians from right here. And they paid the, and they said that it could be paid like that and the only offering is to be tucked up. Now, I'm a poor man. You know that. And I keep poor because of one thing. Here the other day, I was in a little church and held a meeting that only would seat about 60 people, I guess. 60 people. And my good Canadian brother, that was a pastor here of yours for a long time, was in trouble. And I canceled off a, a party or place I was going to get to that man to help him. That was Brother R.E.S. Toms. Exactly. A Canadian brother. I've always had a deep respect for the Canadian people because you're conservative. That's true. Down in the South, you can go to preaching and the people are shouting and crying. You know what the South is. But the Northern people, the Canadian people are conservative. Exactly right. But they get the message just the same. It doesn't go how much we act. It's how much takes a hold inside is what counts. And in these, I was at a meeting just recently. And it's a small place that only seated about 1,500 people. And I happened to be brought into a back room, and a minister was on the platform, and he said, well, there's one thing I like about Brother Branham. He said, we asked Brother Roberts if he would come. He said, you're too small. He said, we asked Brother A.A. A. Allen if he would come. He said, you're too small. But said, when we asked Brother Branham, said, he said, I'll come. Well, said, we were not too small. And when I walked to the platform, I thought, that don't sound just right. So I said to the audience, now do not look down on Brother Roberts or Brother Allen because he said you were too small. Because Brother Roberts will have to have at least about six or seven thousand dollars a day. He's got to have it. He's got a worldwide radio program. He's got a nationwide television. He's got about five hundred in an office. He owns buildings that's at and whole city blocks for parking lots and 
His lowest paid man's around two hundred a, a week, and that ought to two or three thousand a week. How can the man make it? I was in a meeting not long ago at the Cato Tabernacle when I said I preached for five nights with a place packed out, and my love offering was about a thousand dollars, I believe. Brother Roberts, the night that he come, he said, "I want from the middle of this this side sixty men to stand and say tonight they'll pledge me a thousand dollars. Sixty thousand just on half side of the same crowd that I had. That's all right. He needs it. He must have it to carry on. So, but you know, the Lord just knows that I didn't have that much sense. I, I, I couldn't. That's true. I'm not intelligent enough for that." In my meetings, I just, I don't have to have very much. My expenses run me, I think we counted about, Gene, what was it, about $100 a day for my office and my upkeep. Well, that's quite a difference. Perhaps Brother Allen and his great broadcast and things, he has to have lots of money. But me, I don't have to have it. Just a little bit meager fare to get by. Most of my clothes is given to me, my children also. What we eat, we live in the parsonage. and. There you are, see? So we don't have to have very much, but you know, I like it this way. If the Lord wants me to go preach to ten people, I'm not under any obligation. I can go where he sends me. If he wants me to go preach to 100,000 or 500,000 in Africa, he just has somebody to sponsor me, and I go over and preach it, and that settles it. So I don't have to have any money. So this meeting is, that's the reason that two men who's sitting present now, I don't remember they didn't know I was going to say this. But many don't want to know, let the left hand know what the rights are doing. So they're very fine people, both personal friends of mine, who sponsored this meeting and paying for it so they won't have to draw one penny from the churches, won't have to take anything away from it, won't put you in or on any obligation. But frankly, the money was offered to me, a tithe money, and I refused to take it. And said that if he would, if they'd make these Canadian meetings like this and would pay for it, I'd come preach like that. So that we could get the message to the people. And that's the love that these men have for their own people here in Canada. And I'll say this in the presence of you people, God bless man like that. That's right. And I'm sure you appreciate him, though they don't want you to know who it is. But God knows who it is and they're both listening at me right now. And so that's why we're not taking offerings. Someone was asking today, why would you didn't take no offering? Said so we wanted to put something in. That's the reason we didn't do it. And I thought surely that and then we and the reason without sponsoring, you say, Well, the apostolic sponsored you the last time you were here, Brother Branham. Why didn't the apostolic this time? Well, you know, things has changed a little bit since then. And each one, if this one sponsors, the other, you know how it is. It's just the human element, that's all. And it's just the same element was in the Bible time. One's of Paul, one's of Cephas, and one of the... It's the still human beings. You can't get it out of them. That's right. So I thought if a man, if we didn't even take any money from the people like that, and the man paid for it, and just come in and say, let's all come. You know, Jacob dug three wells. He dug one, and the Philistines run away from him, run it away, him away from it, and he called it malice. He dug another, and they run him away, and he called it strife. He dug another, and he said, there's room for us all. <laughs> so I think that that's what we call this well. There's room for us all. 
Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, you that's coming on one hump camel, two hump camel, or wherever you're riding, there's room and water for us all. And that's the way I like it. The Lord bless you. Tomorrow afternoon is a gospel message, not a healing service, praying for the sick. And I think a whole lot of our healing services has turned too much to healing instead of trying to catch the precious souls that's to be saved. And so tomorrow afternoon is the salvation message beginning at 2 o'clock, or I guess it's been announced. And then tomorrow afternoon at 7 o'clock, as usual, prayer cards will be given out. We'll have the prayer line and pray for the sick as we do tonight. The Lord bless you now. And as soon as the anointing of the Spirit is near, then I'll pray for these handkerchiefs. The Lord bless you. Let us just... Talk to the author now before we open his word. Now, blessed Father, we are, by your grace tonight and by your strength, we can raise back the pages of the Bible, but there's only one who can open it. We read in the Bible that there was one sitting on the throne who had a book in his hand. It was sealed inside and out with seven seals. And no man in heaven or in earth or beneath the earth was worthy to even... Take the book or to loose the seals or to look upon it. And a lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world come and tuck the book and open the seals and loose the things that was on the inside of it. O Lamb of God, come tonight and open your word to us in our understanding that we might worship thee. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I wish to read tonight just for the way of a text and just one little piece of scripture that's found in the 13th chapter of Numbers and the 30th verse and the first phrase of that verse. I wish to read it to take a text. And Caleb still the people before Moses. And I want to take my text as stand still. Now we are in a day of flusteration. The whole world seems to be flusterated. Not only is our nation flusterated, but the nations of the world is in a flusteration. Everybody's nervous. They don't know why. Some time ago in Africa, I was watching a scene that was most outstanding, and it brought me to realize this. I was watching through binoculars, and I seen a little lamb that had strayed out from the corral in Africa where they keep their sheep and their goats and things in a corral. But this little fellow was outside, and all, he was eating, and all at once the little fellow become nervous, flustered. And I couldn't see for my life why the little fellow would be so shook up. And I happened to notice way down below him, in the weeds, the tall African weeds, there was a great black mane lion had smelt that lamb and was slipping up to him. The little fellow, the sheep cannot smell the lion. 
but he is, uh, has a sense of something that excites him. And he could sense with that that there's something going wrong somewhere. And many times that that's in the human race and, in, and among the wildlife. How many times since being here, I have said when I would go home of how I watched these little ducks come up here from down in the south and build their nest out of these marshes. Why so the foxes can't get their little ones? And the little duck is born on this swamp out here, the marsh. Why, he never was off of that marsh. He was born here like this spring. And this fall, just when the first cold breeze begins to come from British Columbia, sweeping down through this away, there's a certain little duck on that pond that was born this spring who's born the leader. He'll run out into the pond and stick his little head up in the air and honk that little honker a few times. And every duck on the pond will come to him. And he'll rise right up out of Saskatchewan, never away from it in his life, and go just as straight to the rice fields of Louisiana as he can go. You say, it's instinct. Well, it's God-given instinct. And this little lamb, he was nervous. And he, would, he was eating... All right, first. But then he become nervous. And he just couldn't stand still. There was something taking place that he could not see. And the lamb could not smell his enemy. But there was something that death lurking that made him nervous. I watched the scene. And then come into my mind the beginning of the text that I want to use tonight. There was something warning him of a present danger. And that's the way it is in the nations of the world tonight. I was reading the other day that where the psychiatrists in the United States are going to each other and where the great singers like and entertainers like Arthur Godfrey and a lot of those people with their wise quacks and so forth. Some of them have as many as three psychiatrists. A New York newspaper uh, reporter took two years to search it down. That rock and roll boogie-woogie Elvis Presley, a modern Judas Iscariot, that boy was a Christian in a Pentecostal church with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I know his pastor, his mother, and well. Judas Iscariot got 30 pieces of silver out of Christ. He got a fleet of Cadillacs. But he sold his birthrights. Red Foley, a deacon in the church, sold his birthrights and taken his talents and given it to the world. They have to have psychiatrists to keep them up. Presley's had three or four heart attacks. And yet, in his teens yet, it's a strain. And now the whole world seems to be alarmed. It's an unseen force. 
that is trying to warn man that something is about to happen. The whole world is, is shook up about it. It's just about the end of the age. It's just about the coming of Christ. Just about that hour for him to arrive. The newspapers. I heard a commentary, commentator say not long ago that 85% of the North American people were mentally disturbed. Think of it, 85% of the people on the North American continent have something wrong mentally. They're going at a breakneck speed. They're rushing, going. They don't know where they're going. It's a nervous age. Why is it? Then I give this solemn warning to the church. Stand still. God always commands us stand still before he does anything. The church is, is in an erotic stage. Every church is a proselyting and pulling and fussing and stewing. It's a neurotic age. But stand still. Now, that's the message. Notice Caleb here. The people had just come back, the spies, from over into the promised land. They was at Kadesh Barnea. And they had been brought through many trials and had seen the hand of God. A very beautiful picture of the full gospel church. And many of them had become discouraged, discouraged and upset because so many different isms and things have happened in the church. But that don't take away the real thing. God's calling his church to halt. Stand still. Don't be jumping and running, not knowing what you're doing. Come back to the Word. Come back to Christ. Caleb, there was ten of the spies that come back and said, Oh, it's impossible for us to do it. Why well, said their great places are walled and they are giants in the land. We merely look like grasshoppers to the side of them. Oh, we are a failure. We can't do it. And of course, ten against two. They were outnumbered. But Joshua and Caleb took their stand and said, We are more than able to do it. But before Caleb or Joshua could speak, Caleb had to still the people first. Get them quiet. Stand still. Don't be running here and running there and jumping at this and jumping at that. Now, what made Caleb so sure of it? When the opposition was so great. It's according to what you're looking at. Caleb was looking at the promise of God. The other ten was looking at circumstances. If you go to look at circumstance, 
or to look what's around you, you are sure to fail. But you must never look at what's around you. What if that man sitting there looked at the opposition by his boy there, a cripple in that chair? What if this nice, clean-looking man sitting back there in a wheelchair looked at the circumstances? What if the lady laying in that chair, leaning back, looked at the circumstances? What if this poor, blind woman leaning on a shoulder of another thought of the circumstances? The doctor has tried. He's failed. He's a man like I am. You are. And if you look at that, then you're going to be a failure to begin with. But the Christian doesn't look at circumstances. He looks at the Word and stands still. God said so. That settled it. What if Abraham looked at circumstances? If the doctor examined your heart, that kills more people than anything else. The doctor examined your heart and said, you might drop at any time. you got a murmur. That's true. If you look at that, then you're, you're, you're defeated to begin with. Look what God said. If the doctor says that, if the little, like the little boy last night who was a mute, certainly he was born probably without any hearing ways at all. But right here on the platform, God gave back the hearing to that boy. I put my hands behind him and snapped it. My fingers, he turned around, motioned to his little ear. He's a baby. He doesn't know how to speak or nothing. I couldn't get him to open his mouth even because he never had any use for this to eat. Now I give him a little piece of chewing gum. Thought I could get him to open his mouth that way. If the mother's here, just teach the child. Just go on as if it was a finished work and believe it. No matter what anybody else says anything, stand still. God said so. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now if Caleb would have said, oh yes, the opposition's great. We don't even have implements to fight with. And look at those walls. How can we ever get to the walls? There's ten thousand to, to our hundred. We there were outnumbered. We're not war people to begin with. We're not even in the United Nations. We're just a bunch of peasant slaves. We're not even accepted as a nation. But one thing Caleb looked at, God said before they ever left Egypt, I have given you that land. So Caleb didn't care what the circumstance looked like. He looked at what God said. That's the way you must do tonight. Don't look at what circumstances is. Look what God said. It's God's promise that counts. So he stilled the people. said, stand still. God was fixing to speak. Just a few days before that, when Moses, the great leader, the emancipator of Israel, had brought up the children from Egypt and had led them out, 
and it come out under the hand of God. And there was the perfect type of the church today. The first thing, look at that church being led natural. They had what? The word. They had the promise. To Abraham had promised the time was at hand. They had a prophet, Moses. They had an angel of God, a pillar of fire, a leading them. They had signs and wonders and miracles among them. Why, exactly. And here they was going on their road with all good faith and come to a place where they were totally cut off at the Red Sea. It seemed as if all nature quivered for them. The skies could have wept. Everything, the mountains could have shook. They were in a terrible condition, a covenant people, as you are, as we are. And it come up against the blockade. Maybe you're there tonight. Maybe it's in the way. Maybe you've got an affliction. Maybe you've got a habit. Maybe some besetting sin that you can't lay down. Something has blocked your road. And the world is looking and saying, now let's see how much he's going to keep his religion in this kind of a time. That's the way Israel stood. But Moses said, stand still and see the glory of God. Don't get flusterated. Stand still. And then when the children of Israel stood still, God spoke from the heavens and the Red Sea stood still. It stood on the sideline and it heaped its great walls up like mountains standing at attention when Jehovah spoke the Red Sea stood still. God commands to stand still. And Israel passed over through the Red Sea as if it was on dry land. And the waters of the mighty raging sea stood still. Not long after that, some forty years, after the people would not receive Caleb and Joshua's message. God said they'll not go over. They wouldn't stand still. They wouldn't listen to the word. They wanted their own ideas. And God said they'll everyone die here in the wilderness. And they did. Only Caleb and Joshua was the only two who went over, who stayed by the word. One day when Joshua came down in the month of April, and that was the time if God was figuring out anything, he sure done a poor job. He would have made or crossed over in the fall of the year when Jordan was almost dry. But he turns right back around and crosses Jordan when it's at its highest. In the month of April, the snows are melting in Judea and the great Jordan is swelling from over the plains. And God brought his people to Jordan when she was raging the highest. Oh, I wished I had some way I could place that into the heart of the people. 
Maybe you've been brought up against the difficult, right in your Christian experience that you question God. Why? But God wants you to stand still just a moment. The Bible said all things work together for good to them that love God. Stand still. Don't be alarmed. And when the Jordan, in her great muddy waves, as she was flashing from the hills of Judea, God had to speak. And when God spoke, Jordan stood still. And listen to Jehovah when he spoke. She wore herself up and the water stayed. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. When God speaks, something takes place. Nature hushed its mouth. God was speaking. And Jordan, as a soldier, stood at attention while Jehovah moved his children across its bed. Certainly stood still and watched the hand of God move. And then it stood still while Joshua and the Levites erected a memorial in the middle of that river. As a memorial to stand, Jordan held still. One day, when the children of God was coming in by the word of God, taking the land that God had given. I remember God gave them the land down in Egypt. Said, that land is yours, every bit of it. Now the people today are expecting God to reach down and get them by the neck. Say, yes, that's right. You bring me out, clean me off, heal me, and I believe you. God doesn't do his business that way. He he gives you the promise, but you've got to fight for every inch of ground that you possess. Why didn't God go there and just run out all the Amorites and the Hadites and the Persianites and, and all them? Why didn't he just run them all out? No, Israel had something to do. And you've got something to do. God said that land is yours. Go and possess it. Am I deaf in you, but this... Mike, I don't mean to. Go and possess it. It's yours. And they had to fight every inch of their way. But it was assured that it would be given to them no matter what the results, what the circumstance looked like. It was theirs. God gave it to them. And they looked at the promise instead of the circumstance. Healing is yours. Salvation is yours. The Holy Spirit is yours. The real Holy Spirit is yours. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call then the promise is just as real tonight as it was then. It's your possession. If you'll go take it, it's given to you. If God calls you, He intends for you to have it. But you'll have to fight every inch of the way to get it. 
You certainly will. Now, the children were fighting, and the sun was going down, and the great warrior Joshua, when the sun was going down, he needed some more time, and God was in the battle. Moses' hands was up, as it were, and as Joshua was fighting, God made the sun stand still. Tell it what's the power of Almighty God working with His children. I believe the coming of Jesus Christ is past due. But if the children would only claim their promise and not be separated and divided, I believe God would make every nation on earth stand still and see the glory of an old-fashioned Pentecostal revival sweep the world if the children would stand still. But they won't. That's the reason God can't get them still. When God wants to do anything, He wants you to keep still. Stand still. Believe His promise. Stay right with it. Don't be cared about by everything. Stand still and watch Him. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Joshua, standing, calling to God, and the sun stood still while he went out to win the battle. And he did it. The sun nature had to hold its peace and watch God perform his work. Certainly it does. When they went around Jericho, they marched around the wall several days in full armor, sounding their trumpets and things. But one day when they stopped and let out the blast and stood still, God shut the walls down in front of them. Certainly, they'd marched several days around. The tramp, tramp, tramp wouldn't do no good. But when they stopped and sounded the blast, then God shut the walls down. Several hundred years after that, there was an old blind beggar studying for them walls. We know him in the Bible as Barnabas. Many pronounce it Bartimaeus. Either way, he'll be all right. And there he was sitting blind. And how he must have been thinking, this little boy, how his mama used to get him on her lap and tell him of the great stories of how God did great things. And maybe his favorite story was when Moses crossed the Red Sea or when Joshua entered the Promised Land just a few hundred yards below where they were at. Oh, how his little bright eyes would flash and say, Oh, Mother, tell me that story again before you rock me to sleep. And he would take his hands and pat her pretty cheeks as that young Jewish mother rocked him. Little did he know he'd be sitting there blind someday. And then as his thoughts went back to that great story, I can imagine it in his little mind. He said, well, here I am, an old ragged beggar sitting here. If I could have only lived in the day that when Jehovah made Jordan right below me here stand still to see his praise. If I could have only lived in that day, but my priest tells me 
that the days of miracles is past. There's no such a thing as Jehovah doing such now. We just keep the law. And also, he can remember the story that not many years before his time, right down that same old cobblestone road, come Elijah and Elisha, the two mighty prophets of God, walking right along arm in arm, walked down to the Jordan. Years after Joshua had had it to stand still, the prophet Elijah gets his mantle and spikes it. Stand still! I've got to cross over. And the same Jehovah who stood still for Israel hundreds of years later stood still for Elijah. One person, certainly, and they walked across. One hour later, perhaps, that young prophet Elijah, Elisha, walked back with the same man loading and struck the Jordan and said, Where is the God, Elijah? And he stood still for God to manifest his power to those prophets on the hill watching him. Certainly, old blind Barnum has said, If I could have only lived in that day, I would have run out in the street and I would have grabbed them prophets and said, Oh, prophets of God, pray for me, a blind man, that God will restore my sight. But alas, they tell me the days of miracles is past. God doesn't do those things no more. And another thought come to his mind, that one day before Joshua took the, the city, he was a-walking one day. And he happened to look coming to him. And here stood a man walking with his sword drawn. And Joshua, the great warrior, drawed his sword and started walking to him. And Joshua screamed out, Who are you for? Are you for us? Are you for our enemy? And this man stood still, waved that sword and said, Nay, but I am the captain of the host of the Lord. And the mighty Joshua threw his sword on the ground, pulled off his helmet, and bowed his knees. Oh, blind Barney Mayer said, If I could only live in that day, and I met that mighty captain, little did he know less than 200 yards from where he was sitting come that same captain of the host of the Lord. Walking down the streets, a noise, oh, sure made fun of, always, those who do something for God. I can hear the priest run out and say, Say, you that raised lads without a grave. We got a whole graveyard full of them up here. Come up here and raise one for me. Let us see you raise the dead. But, you know, it's little men that pick up little things like that. Big men never notice them. They just go on. He never turned his life. His whole mind was set on Calvary. He was going right then to Jerusalem to be crucified. And there was some throwing perhaps overripe tomatoes or vegetables at him. Away with him! And others saying, Hail the great prophet! Some for him, some against. I can see a bunch of priests say, Say, you that can raise the dead. I've got an old mother died up here, a good religious woman. Come raise her up. 
let me see you do it. Sure. That's what the devil always does. When you hear people talking like that, know they are of the devil. The devil, when he met Jesus, he said, If thou be the Son of God, do a miracle here before me and let me see you do it and I'll believe you. When they tied a rag around his face one time, some Roman soldiers, and hit him on the head with a stick, said, Now if you're a prophet, tell us who hit you and we'll believe you. He never opened his mouth. When he's on the cross, he said, If thou be the Son of God, come down off the cross and do a miracle here before me. The high priest then yelled at him, and we'll believe you. See, they want things their way. You have to come to God's terms. So it's a matter of the church today. They want their way. You stand still and watch God's way. He knows what's best. Who can interpret God better than himself? And here was this blind beggar. He listened. He said, what's the matter? What was it? He was thinking on those things. The great mighty power of God when it appeared. It was those on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus that was thinking about Jesus when he walked out and talked to him all day. You've got to think about it. You've got to believe it. You've got to accept it. Not go out to the pool room all night one night and go to church the next day. Not go out and fuss and steal and cheat and have temper and fuss and fight with your neighbors and proselyte and everything. They go to church and expect something to be done for you. You've got to live for God. You've got to be in His presence with your shoes off and your eyes closed in His presence with reverence and recognition of His being. With love for all. That's the reason we don't see no more going on than what we do. You've got to meet God on His terms. Not on yours, on His. Notice, as Barnabas said, Who did you say that was went by? It was Jesus, that great prophet of Galilee. Who is He? Oh, they claim He's the son of David. You know, the Messiah was to come. Quickly the spark caught in his heart, and he screamed, Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. There you are. You die your mind as the days of miracles has passed. God's just the same tonight as he ever was. You die your mind at these things that teachers teach you that there's no such a thing as, as a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We got a lot of mockery, that's right, but we got a real Holy Spirit too. We got bogus dollars. They only make the real dollars good. Certainly. I know we got mockery of divine healing. People say, I got power to heal. That's a lie. Healing is a finished work. Christ did it at Calvary. And any true prophet of God will speak the truth. He'll place it on Calvary where the all-supreme sacrifice is made and their man was healed by his stripes at Calvary. Not what somebody's got. You can't heal nobody, neither can you save anybody. No one else can or never will. It's a finished work. It's your faith in that finished work. That spells it. Notice this blind beggar said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now who was this poor, little, low, wrinkled, arm, ragged beggar sitting against the wall? And so many, probably three or four thousand people yelling and screaming and making fun of him and some hailing him and praising him. He never heard his voice. He couldn't hear his voice. And his mind set on one thing, his head back out in front of the procession, going like this, looking towards Calvary. And as he went on, that little old beggar, they told him, shut up. But that didn't stop him. 
he screamed them much more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And with all the tremendous burden of the sins of the world laying on his shoulders, on his way to Calvary, that one poor little, perhaps ignorant, insufficient beggar, that faith in his heart stopped the Son of God and he stood still. Jesus stood still. The brave here. Oh, brother. Jesus stood still and they brought the beggar to him. His faith had stopped the Son of God and brought him to a standpoint, to a still stop. Now I say tonight, I don't care who you are, what your name is, how poor you are, how far gone you are, your faith tonight will bring God to a standstill to hear your humble cry. Be still and know that I'm God. Don't listen to the rumor bottle of the outside world and these things like that. Stand still and know that I am God. It stopped him. And they brought blind Barnabas to him. And he said, what would you that I do? He said, that I might receive my sight. That was the, the uh, little talk that he wanted with him. He said, thy faith has saved thee. And as the old beggar stood there looking at his hands and possession going on down the street as Jesus went on, he began to see after a bit and he began screaming, running after him, rejoicing and giving praise to God. Jesus stood still when God was going to do a work. I'm telling you, if there ever was a time, my brother, that the people are to stand still tonight when one's saying, the magazine's writing up, it's fanaticism, it's this, it's devil worship, it's all this, that, the other. Stand still! Look straight in the face of Calvary and say, Lord, was it for me? Find out what God will say about it in His Word. Stand still. Yes, brother, some of these days, this old earth's going to stand still. Some of these days, time's going to stand still. Listen to God speak. You'll stop sometime. Oh, you say, I got my kids to raise, I got this to do, I got to wash, I got to plow. These things have got to be done. Stand still a minute. Let God speak. He'll do something for you. One of these days, He'll speak, and the soul will turn no more. He'll speak and the mood will fail to get its life. Yes, brother. Someday I'm going to preach my last sermon. Someday I'll pray my last prayer. Now fold this old Bible for its last time. And every mortal wheel of this body of mine will stand still. But at that time, I'm going over on Zion to live forever with Him. The wheels of mortal life, someday beyond the reach of mortal kin, someday God only knows just where or when. The wheels of mortal life shall all stand still, then I shall go to dwell on Zion's hill. I'd rather have it than anything I know. I wonder tonight if you would let all the hustle and bustle of your mind, the confusion, everything that's in your mind, if you'd stand still just for a few minutes, let God talk to you. See if He don't tell you you're wrong. 
Or you say, I belong to church, the same church my mother did. That has nothing to do with it. Hell will be made up of church members. That's right. Unless a man is born again. When he's born again, the life of God dwells in him. And then the fruits of the Spirit follows, which is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, patience. He becomes a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's a part of God, a son of God. He can no more die than God can die. He's got eternal, immortal life and cannot die. Jesus said, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath present tense eternal life and shall never come to the judgment, but pass from death unto life. My poor, decrepit sinner friend tonight, won't you stand still just a minute? Let God speak to you. And when the services begin, when the Holy Spirit is here now, the great Holy Ghost, the resurrected Christ, who's here in the form of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is Christ in spiritual form. And when he shared tonight the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the faith that stopped that old, that, from that old blind beggar there could stop him in the road is the same faith that the woman touched his garment with, and he turned and looked. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's just as much here right now as he was on the Jericho Road. He's just as much here as he was on the road to Jairus' house where he raised the girl and the woman touched his garment. He said, I can do nothing in myself. He passed by a great mass of people, lame, blind, halt, withered, walked right through every one of them, the pool of Bethesda. What do you think would happen in Saskatoon if he come and did that? Here he was, a woman touched his garment and healed. A few days later, St. John 5, here he is going through uh, the pool of Bethesda. Great multitudes, thousands of them, was laying at this pool. Look what the Bible says it was lame, blind, halt, withered, waiting. Mothers were waterhead babies, blind mothers, blind fathers, crippled, lame, trying to get into the pool. And Jesus, the Son of God, walking right among them. And he, why didn't he heal them? He got some criticism over it. He'd get it tonight. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He walks right down until he finds a man laying on a pallet. I don't know whether you Canadians know what a pallet is or not. It's a little old blanket or something you lay. I was raised on one. We didn't even have a bed. I lived, the biggest part of my life was spent in my sleeping on a pallet. Just a bunch of blankets laying down by the door and lay a pillar on them. And it's made out of corn shucks. Laying there on, the, on a pallet. And this man was laying there. Been laying, had a disease for 38 years. He wasn't crippled. He could walk. He wasn't blind, he could see, but he had some sort of an infirmity, maybe a prostrate trouble or, or TB, ever what it was. It was retarded, it wasn't going to kill him. He'd had it 38 years. And Jesus looked around until he found this man. Why didn't he heal the blind man, the crippled man? But he found this man. And he said, Will thou be made whole? And he said, Sir, I have no one to help me in the water. While I'm coming, somebody outruns him and gets him before him. He said, take up your bed and go into your house. He picked up that little pallet and threw it on his back and away he went. And he met some of the Jews. They began to criticize and question. St. John 5, 19, listen to what Jesus said. Dearly, dearly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. How many ever read that description? Let's see your hands. Absolutely. Jesus didn't heal just at random. He'd done what the Father showed him to do. The Father was in him. 
Now God's in you. He only healed by vision. If, he, if his words which cannot be questioned. He said, I do nothing till the Father shows me first. The Father worketh and I worketh hitherto. That same Jesus said, the things that I do shall you also. More than this, because I go unto my Father. God was in one person then, his Son, Christ. Now he's in the entire church, universal. He's the same God. Now won't you stand still just a moment. I'm going to ask you something tonight. As you're here, let us pray just a minute. Heavenly Father, I pray that this moment, that every church member, every sinner, will stand still just the next few moments and think within their heart, what is this all about? What's this man trying to tell us? It's seemingly that it's bringing it from the Bible. And I have read that you are the same. And I've read that you said that the things that you've done, that we would do also, and how you promised in this last days what you would do. And when you closed the Jewish age, you sent these great signs to close the Jewish age. And now you're a just God, and you'll send the same to close the Gentile age. And here we are, the resurrected Jesus, the evening lights have come. We're at the last hour. And now, Father, may man, as they're pondering over this, let thy Holy Spirit come to me. Oh, precious God, there's no merits and no good in me. I'm an unprofitable servant. And I say not that to be humble before this crowd. If I did, I'd be a hypocrite. And God forbid, let me be an infidel instead of a hypocrite. Help me, oh God, and help this audience tonight to realize that some glorious day, and that may be today yet, Jesus may come. And help us to recognize tonight that the great things that he's did and sent us, like he said last night to Jonah and the Queen of Sheba and those, and then greater things are being done now, right here in this city. Far greater is here, the Son of God, than there was in Jonah or in the Queen of Sheba. A greater, the resurrected, glorified Christ, the Holy Spirit. When you said when you were here on earth before you was glorified, if they spoke against you, it would be forgiven. But when the Holy Ghost comes and speak against it, it would never be forgiven. So I pray, Father, that you'll let men think just a moment and stand still. And may your Spirit move among us now and declare that you are the resurrected Christ before I make this altar call. God grant it for your glory, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, reverently and quietly, <clears throat> I have changed my services the last two nights. <clears throat> to my opinion, last night was an exceeding better night than the night before. And I have a vision. I know Gene and M's catching this on the tape recording. I will not tell it now, but not long ago I saw a vision. And I didn't realize it was Saskatoon where it was going to be, but it had, it was just revealed a few moments ago, standing in my hotel room, looking at a river with the falls on the left side. <clears throat> I didn't understand it until just a few moments ago. When months ago I had the vision of what was going to happen, I could speak it right now, but I got to wait for something to take place. But just on the tape I said that, so the tape being played back. You'd watch and see. See if it's wrote right here on the flyleaf of my Bible what's going to take place. 
Watch and see. Now, notice, Christ, the Son of God, died and rose again and ascended on high, and tonight is the high priest of our confession, sitting at the right hand of the majesty of God, making intercession on our confession. Is that right? Everyone knows that. Now, if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the Bible says that he's the high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, then, brother, look, Christ never said, go ye into all the world and teach the word. The Bible doesn't say that. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Not teach the word, preach the gospel, the letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. But we went and taught the word and made it to suit our own program. But what is the gospel? Paul said the gospel come not in word only, but through the power and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. And then immediately he said after that, Mark, the 16th chapter following, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. See, we just read part of it. Don't leave the rest of it out. Now, I say this. If Christ has raised from the dead, he declared when he was here on earth that he did nothing till the Father showed him. He stood in audiences like this and perceived the people's thought. How many knows that's the truth? The Bible said so. If the people out there could touch his garment and he could feel it, not with a physical touch, but a spiritual touch, like blind Barnabas. If he could feel it then, and he's a high priest tonight that can still be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, let's believe him. Then he set some in the church. First his word. Then he set what? Apostles. Now, many of the people staggered that word apostle, but I want to ask you people that staggered that, what's the difference between apostle and missionary? The word apostle means one cent. The word missionary means one cent. Same word. Why do they ever want to be called missionaries? I don't know. They're apostles. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors, all for the perfecting of the church. Is that right? It was said in the church. God didn't say just, just teachers and evangelists. He said apostles and prophets, too. All the rest of it. Then in every local body, these nine spiritual gifts should be operating by judges and so forth. It should be absolutely speaking with tongues, interpretation tongues. Not a bunch of wildfire, but real, genuine Holy Spirit revelations is coming and tells things that happens right then. Not something that's saying Jesus is coming soon. We believe that it's wrote in the book. God don't use vain repetitions. He asks us not to do the same. But it's something definite for somebody in the church for a purpose. What we need is about three months in a tent sitting out here somewhere with some real apostolic teaching. Ministers every afternoon get back and get in the right swing. The thing we just went haywire. Not because they wanted to, but it's a trend of time. It has to be this way, but it's time we stood still just a minute now. Now, if Christ is raised from the dead, and he's studying his church these things, I don't believe there's a person in this church that I can look at it, I know. How many of you here knows that I'm a stranger to you? Raise your hand. That knows that I don't know you. All right. I don't. There's no one before me that I see, not one person that I know. I don't even see the Stockmans in them tonight. They're somewhere here, but I don't even see them. The only one I know here is Fred sitting here and, and Billy, Jean, Leo over here. That's the only ones that I know in the church. Christ knows every one of you. He knows what's wrong with you. He knew what was wrong with the woman at the well as soon as he talked to her just a few moments. 
He knew what was wrong with her. He knows what's wrong with you. You believe that? Now, if he were come down tonight in his power, and you go to pray and say, Lord, I want to touch your garment, and let at least two or three in this building with faith enough to reach and touch him to a place that his sovereign grace will turn back and speak with my lips and tell you what your trouble is or what you want, as he did when he was here on earth, would you believe he raised from the dead then? The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I'm going to change that tonight. Don't you pray for yourself. You get somebody else on your mind and pray for them. That ought to make it. You ask God for somebody else and not yourself. You ask for someone else and just start praying, saying, Lord, uh, somebody else to pray for. And believe with all your heart that God will grant it. And if God will grant it, then if you go out of here still disbelieving, I don't know. The Bible said, go ye and what no more? Sin no more is right. What is sin? Unbelief. That's exactly right. Go ye and sin no more, a worse thing come upon you. Go and disbelieve no more. Now, in reverence before the Holy Spirit, let's just be reverent. Real moment. You pray and ask God. You say, now, Lord, I know that that man standing there is just a, a man. He's, when he's here not long ago, he's just a boy. But now he's turned to a middle-aged man. He's dying by degree like all of us are, like a candle burning out. Some days, days are over. But I believe that the day that you have people that's pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists and so forth. Look, when Hezekiah was told by the prophet, you're going to die, set your house in order. And that king, the greatest man in Israel, turned his face to the wall and wept bitterly and said, Lord, I beseech you to consider me. I've walked before you with a perfect heart. Spare me 15 years. Why didn't God, Jehovah, the king of heaven, talk to his king of Israel? He didn't. He talked to his prophet. He said, Isaiah, you go back and tell him. There was the king standing right exactly in front of the, the God talking to him, asking for this. God could have talked right back to the king, but he didn't make the king up that way. He had a prophet down there. He spoke to the prophet, said, go tell him I heard his prayer and go to spare him for 15 years. See how God does? He has instruments he works through. Do you believe that? Say amen. Certainly we're not all alike. We're made up different. Our makeups are different. Now, it happens to be that as a preacher, I'm not... You know I'm not much of a preacher. I'm a spare car for that. And a poor evangelist. But what it was, God gave me a gift as a baby. The very moment I was born, that same light was hanging over the crib where I was born. It wasn't nothing I did, nothing my family did. It was by election, God's grace. Now, it's here right now at this platform. That same light standing, it's right here now. It's not five feet from where I'm standing. And I challenge your faith to, to pray for God, to, not that we have to have this, but that, that it might fulfill the Word of God. Jesus didn't have to heal anybody to prove who He was. Why did He do it? That the Word might be fulfilled. Well, that's what He's doing tonight, that the Word might be fulfilled. The things that I do shall you also. Now pray. Believe. If He'll do it, God be blessed. Now I ask you to be just as reverent. Stand still now. Sinner, watch. Be reverent. I don't know that he will. He may. 
I ask him to grant this in the name of his son, the Lord Jesus. First, I want to look this way to my to the east. Just watch and see if the Holy Spirit should speak. If he does, God be praised. Now, I know this is sometimes made light of. Sometimes people say, the Lord reveals to me somebody's got kidney trouble. Certainly there is a lot of it in here. Who is it? There you are. See. Oh, there's lots of impersonations. But there's a true Holy Spirit. I just be reverent and pray. I have no way of knowing you, nothing. It has to be the revelation of God to make the Word of God true. I just reach by faith and say, Lord Jesus, by faith I see you standing under. Now, don't pray for yourself. I pray that God will not let me see people for themselves. It'll be for somebody else. We're just going to double it back tonight. Like he told Abraham, he gave him the son, then told him, go kill him, his son. Destroy it so he could be father of nations. Now, in Christ's name, be reverent. Now, I, I do see, you may raise your head and look this way. I'm looking here at a woman. And she's sitting right over this way. As I see... <clears throat> but she's praying for herself. It's a woman, she's sitting on the end of the seat right over here. She's got a swelling in her body that she's praying for. That's right. Lady around the end of the row there. That's right, isn't it, lady? Yes. Here, maybe you might know this. You're not from this city either, are you? You're from Edmonton, aren't you? That's right, raise up your hand. Well, you're, you're healed anyhow. Your faith touched you. Have faith, believe. Here, here's another lady sitting next to her. No, it's a second from her. It's a woman. She's praying for somebody else. She's praying for a daughter. And that daughter is not in this city. She's from, she's from another city. And it's Regina that she's from. And she fell off of something. It looked like it's a horse. And she hurt her back and neck. And you're praying for her. That's right. Raise up your hand. See? I am not reading her mind. You stop thinking that. I don't think you can hide your life now because you can't. I catch your, your thoughts. Certainly not. That God might be glorified. The little woman sitting next to that is a weeping because she's got someone she's praying for too. Isn't that right, lady? You was praying for somebody also. You believe me to be God's prophet? If God will reveal to me something that you're praying for, will you believe me then with all your heart and believe that Christ raised from the dead and would accept it? I see a man, and you're praying for a man, and that's your husband. That's right. If that's right, raise up your hand. And the man isn't here. The man's a working. That's the reason. And the man has a rupture and arthritis. And you're praying for him for that cause. If it's right, raise up your hand. You believe now? There's three of them sitting there. You just have faith in God. If thou canst believe, 
The Bible said, all things are possible to them that believe. If thou canst believe. But that's the first thing you must do. If thou canst believe. The young lady sitting out there too praying for her father with that nervous breakdown. <laughs> you believe that God will heal him? Make him well? You can have it if you believe it. Amen. Just believe that somebody in this section is over in this way believe. Or is that, that's already three, isn't it? Or four. All right. Let's have another make five. J-E-S-U-S. Somebody pray. Believe with all your heart. Pray for somebody else now. Just see if God is here. Somehow I see a distance coming. It's a woman. She's sitting right here. You raise your head, people. The woman's sitting right here looking at me. She's praying for a loved one that's not here. And the person is in the west from here. It's in British Columbia. That's right. It's your... Um, it's your sister-in-law that you're praying for. And one thing, she's a sinner. And so is her husband. Is that right? You have a prayer card? You don't. All right, you don't need it. If you'll believe with all your heart, tell them to accept Christ and she'll get well. Amen. Believe with all your heart. Do you believe now with all your heart? Now, sinner, stop just a minute. Think. What is this? Chase it with the Bible. Compare it with the Scripture. See if it's what Jesus Christ did. Find out if it's right. See if he promised to do it. Now let us stand still just a minute and think. Let's bow our heads a moment. Now Christ, our Heavenly Father, thou art here. Your words are true regardless if the whole world disbelieve it. You're not obligated after doing such things as this. You are here. How could it be when I'm standing here declaring your name, preaching the gospel and calling sinners to repentance and knowing that the great days are coming? Seeing you to make the deaf to hear, the blind to see, the lame to walk, doing all just exactly what you said you would do. You did it at the junction of time when, when the Andalusian world was destroyed. You did it just then. You set signs and wonders before Israel, before, before they were brought out of uh, Egypt. You set signs and wonders just before the coming of Christ. And now here the coming of it is again. And you're sending signs and wonders. May the people think of it. May sinners and lukewarm church members think tonight deeply and stand still just a moment. And in the integrity of their heart, may they accept you just now as their Savior. While they know that they're in the presence of something, oh God, let them be the judge, how they judge you. And I pray that they'll judge you righteous and say that it's right and ask mercy for their soul. And while we have our heads bowed, I wonder tonight, would you raise up your hand and say, Brother Branham, remember me in prayer just now. I now want to believe on the Lord Jesus. God bless you, sister. God bless you, lady. God bless you, lady. And God bless you, sir. God bless you back there. God bless you there, lady. And you, and you, sir, and you in the middle aisle. God bless you, and you in the right aisle to my right. Raise your hand. Uh, God bless you, sir. You want to accept Christ. God bless you, lady. God bless you, little boy. God bless you, sir. In the balcony to my right, would you raise your hand, somebody that says, I realize, Brother Branham, that just this little old church membership I've got ain't going to do no me no good. Why, it won't do no more. You get a free funeral for you out here in the graveyard. That's all. But let me tell you something, Brother, except a man be born again, you can't understand. There's no way you can understand these spiritual things until you're born again. God bless you, sir. That takes a real man to do that. 
It certainly does. Somebody else say, I'll raise my hand over in the right balcony here. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. That's real, man. That's real, man. God bless you here, lady. That's right. That takes a real lady to do that. It takes more than just a woman. It takes a lady to, to admit you're wrong. To admit it. He that will cover his sins shall not prosper. He will confess his sins shall have mercy. To the balcony, to my, right, to my left now. What about over here? Would some raise your hand there and say, God, be merciful to me. I now accept Christ and I want to be born again. I want to get rid of this just membership that I've got. I want to be filled with God's Spirit. And I want a real experience with Christ. I ask Him to have mercy on me now while His presence is here. And I recognize it with signs and wonders that He promised to do. Remember me, Brother Branham, and pray for me. I raise my hand. Will you do it? God bless you, sir. Stand still. God bless you, sir. That's right. Stand still in your heart. God bless you, sir. That's a good. Someone else, stand still. God bless you. Think in your heart. The man sitting down on the floor. God bless you, too. Someone anywhere in the rest of the building, man, woman, or child, raise your hands. Hasn't raised your hand. Say, remember me, Brother Branham, in prayer right now. I want to believe on Christ. God bless you back there, mister. I see your hand. That's a real thing. Of course, God sees it. What will this? You say, well, if I'm more convinced this might be the last time that you're permitted to stand still, before day breaks in the morning, you may have a doctor rush up there. It's too late. Heart attack. They're gone. Oh, how these words would ring in your ears, friend, if you're not a Christian. Won't you now, while you're mentally and in your right mind and able to raise your hand, bring that hand from your side up to Jehovah God who made you say, I am wrong and I confess my sins and ask for mercy, God. In your divine presence here, I ask for mercy. I'm not raising my hand to Brother Branham. I'm raising my hand to you, Christ. I just want Brother Branham to pray for me because I know that that spirit of Christ is here in the room and it seems like it's working through him now and I want his prayers to my behalf that I'll be remembered to you that I won't come into condemnation but I'll enter into paradise with you. Would you raise your hand? Another one that has not since we've asked a call. God bless you. That's good. Just another before closing. Stand still. God bless you little boy up there. God be with you honey boy. Jesus said suffer the little children to come to me forbid them not such is the kingdom. Someone else? Just before closing, God bless you, son. Someone else? God bless you, sir, back there. That's good. That's fine. If I, if I miss one hand, God won't. He sees it and puts it on. You say, does that make any difference, Brother Branham? It's the difference between life and death. Just... Jesus said, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life. These same signs that you see performed right here, they called Jesus a fortune teller, Beelzebub, for doing it. And Jesus said, now, when you, you say that about me, it'll be forgiven. But when the Holy Ghost has come and does that, you speak a word against that, it'll never be forgiven you. So how much greater is it now than it was then? We're living in a weak and adulterous generation. To condemn it, to walk away from it, to refuse it is utterly denying peace and asking for judgment. Not because it's, I'm standing here, because it's this building, it's because of Christ's resurrection. All right, I'm going to ask those who held up their hand, if you'll stand just a moment for prayer. Just raise right to your feet if you're able. That's right. That's right. Be sincere. Every person put up their hand, raise to your feet. That's good. Stand right up to your feet. Everyone that's raised up their hand, stand up to your feet for a witness of Christ that you now want to be his servant from this night on. Who knows before the coming of daylight, there might be a time. God bless you. The two, I guess, Indian man and woman there. God bless you. 
Someone else now? That's right. Stand to your feet. That's right. Stand right on your feet. What am I asking you to stand up for? Jesus said, He that will confess me before man, him will I confess before my Father and the holy angels. Is that right? God promised it. Now, each one that's standing, and you now who did not raise your hand, and you feel now that you should have did it, will you stand to your feet and ask for mercy? Just in a few minutes, I believe you're going to see some great exceeding things done by our Lord tonight in the prayer line. Would you stand now after seeing his presence here and know that he's here? Look, the Holy Spirit witnesses here. The scientific world says it's here. The Bible says it's here. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to turn our back on it and walk away? So I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm as good as anybody else. Oh, brother, that's a selfish thing. If you're not in your heart born again of the Spirit of God, you better be sincere right now. You're in the presence of Christ. All right. Now to them standing, let's bow our heads for prayer. Blessed Father, by the preaching of the Word, these are standing still. They're standing like the sea stood to watch the works of God. Their emotions are now standing still. Their hearts are open. Their ears are listening. Their spirits are reaching out. The enemy has left them. They want to hear a word from you speaking peace down in their heart. And as I quote thy word to them, may the Holy Spirit confirm that word with peace to everyone that's standing to their feet. Grant it, Lord. And as thou, the great master of life, said, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall never come into the judgment but has passed from death unto life. How sweet these words echo in our ears. How faith can take its stand on the rock of ages when the waves of doubt is beating at its feet and can raise its head to a sky to the God who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Faith catches that gleam. And may it be caught in every heart tonight that's standing still, passing now from death unto life. And great Holy Spirit, who can discern the heart of man as you promised you would, as you said these signs would be here, and we're in the last days, and the whole world nervous and upset, and mankind are living as if they were going to live here forever, not knowing what minute we'll be called to answer at the judgment. What will we do then? And these people have solemnly confessed their wrong and are standing and asking for pardon. God forgive them, and may they find a good spiritual church somewhere in their neighborhood and be baptized, washing away their sins and calling on the name of the Lord, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and live peaceful lives on this earth, and in glory be represented there. And if I never get to see them no more until that day, may they everyone be there present, giving God praise, for I ask it in Christ's name, amen. God bless you now. And as they sit down, somebody near them, shake their hand and give them a hand of fellowship. Those who are raised up to their feet, some of you Christians, say, God bless you, my Christian friend. Walk, just sit right around, turn around, shake hands with those who stood up. For they're your brother and sister in Christ Jesus. God bless you. What a wonderful time. I don't know whether you can feel it or not, but somehow way down in my soul, peace that passes understanding 
Can you feel the Spirit of God? Do you believe that you're that sweet, soothing, humble spirit? I'm going to pray for the handkerchiefs. Now, blessed Lord, one day when Israel was crossing the Jordan, the Jordan or the Red Sea first, the sea got in the way of God. God's children was going to the promised land. And the Red Sea got in the way. One writer said that God looked down through that pillar of fire with angry eyes. And the sea got scared. And it rolled back its waves. And Israel passed through to the promised land on dry land through the bottom of the sea. God, tonight, as I take these little tokens, these handkerchiefs, that old daddy out there that's blind, sitting in the corner pecking with his cane, to that mother with that little sick baby, thou knowest them all. And I pray, Heavenly Father, as these little tokens are laid up on them, that the Holy Spirit will look down through the blood of Jesus, and may the sickness get scared and move away. And may they pass to that promise of good health that God gave them while we send these handkerchiefs for that purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Prayer cards. What you huh? I work. One to hundred. All right. Prayer cards. I's just give out today. I like one. I one. Who's got it? Raise up your hand. Number one, number two, three, claim to heal. That Baptist preacher kept saying, let this healer come forth. Let me see him perform. Now, I'm not nothing against Baptist people. I'm a Baptist myself. But let me ask you something. Doesn't that sound like the devil? Turn these stones into bread. Bless God, you turn these stones into bread and I'll believe you. Look at the devil with the rag around his head. Hit him on the head and said, prophesy. Tell me who hit you. I'll believe you. See, that's that same devil. See? But the man was just possessed of an evil spirit. And then I said, I don't claim to heal people. I said, my language, my books are prompt, are published in about 17 different languages of the world. Then there are about 37 different languages now. I said, never one time did I ever say I could heal people. No one else can. It's your personal faith in a finished work. How many understands that? Raise your hand. It's your deprive the people. I would just call the people up. And I just take a vision of each one, comb it down, see if there's anything in their life. And you've been in the meetings. How many has been in the meetings and heard people tell they were sinners and living with somebody else's wife or vice versa and evil things they've done and have to clean their life up? How many has been in meetings and heard that? Raise your hand. Well, sure. See? It'll bring it right out. And then that people's even scared to come to the platform and things like that because it never one time failed. Whether it's Africa, India, everywhere it was at, it's perfect every time. One time being discerned, tens of thousands would fall at the feet of Jesus. But here we've been taught you got to lay hands on the people. And that's what he told me to do, pray for the people. Over there, when it's done once, I just make one massive prayer. They just empty up every wheelchair seat. Well, at Durban, South Africa, they took seven big cattle trucks full of crutches and wheelchairs and things off the ground from one prayer. How many of those F.F. Bosworth? Let's see your hands. Nearly all of you. Godly, saintly old man. He estimated 25,000 outstanding healings with one prayer. And a year later, the Durban paper wrote it up. He said they brought, I forget how many loads of farms and watches and things from the Shunga tribe that had been brought back since the, the meeting. That people absolutely, the, their salvation stayed with them. Now, I'm in a mixed audience. 
And I'm talking just a moment for a purpose so I can get this crowd to get through here. I'm going to tell you something. Now listen real close. Now Methodist friends, Baptist friends, Presbyterian friends, and Pentecostal friends. You're all my friends. You're God's children. I want to tell you something. Sitting at Africa, in Africa, there come those women up there just as nude as the day they were born. Young women, just a little clout hanging in front of them. And they had tags on them as Christians. What if they had a track pass to them? And right while they were standing there, and when that man was healed, standing there, and I said, now how many would accept him? Fifteen different interpreters that had to go through. Then 30,000 raised and accept Christ at one time. They thought it was maybe uh, just for physical healing. Brother Baxter, I believe, your own Canadian boy, a wonderful man of God, he, he said, Brother Branham, I believe they meant physical healing. He said, take it through again. And we said, not physical healing, but accepting Christ as Savior. And when it was said through again, they even broke their little idols on the ground and everything. And 30,000 received Christ at one time. You know what? Now listen, it's a mixed audience. You need to listen to a doctor. I'm your brother. Those naked women, five minutes before that, didn't know they were naked. And as soon as the Holy Spirit struck that bunch, them women folded their arms and walked off the ground. Now you mean to tell me in your modern churches you let your women strip themselves off out here half naked before man and tell me that's Christianity? It's worse than heathens. It certainly is. A heathen can realize and accept Christ, they'll cover up their nakedness, and you're trying to expose yourself. But to be modern, I don't mean to be rude. But, brother, one of these days I've got to stand before the presence of God and give an account for everything I say. And I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to say instead of becoming civilized, we're becoming idiots. That's right. Civilization is broke. How could people, you mean to tell me you women can walk out here with them little bitty straps around you and call yourself living in a modern civilized world? When heathens just dress that way and get right with Christ, try to cover themselves up till they get some clothes on them. Looks like you're going back to heathens instead of coming to civilization. Now, you know that's the truth. And just another little thing. I don't see it in this building, but a lot of you women that wears this here paint, you know, and black stuff over your eyes and everything, you know where that come from? That trait is heathens. That's exactly where it comes from. They've had them great big bones in their ears for earrings and take mud and paint their faces and all over like that. It's a heathen trait. Then we permit it in our churches. Sure, it's all right. Oh, it ain't what you do this way. It ain't what you do that way. No, I know it ain't. But you get right with Christ one time and you'll wash your face. That's exactly right. You'll put on clothes and act like a lady. And you'll throw that cigar out of your mouth if you're a deacon or something in the church and act like a Christian, too. Exactly right. I know that's awful harsh, friends, but that's the truth. It takes strong medicine to do you good sometimes. It's exactly right. Now you're standing in the line. I'm not a healer. I'm your brother. I'm bringing to you a message that Jesus Christ raised from the dead. He's here now. He's present. He's right here at this platform. He's out there where you are. The only thing I can do is a commission to pray and lay hands on you. I'll do that as your brother and, your, and a servant of Christ. Would you believe that God will heal you and go off this platform, not looking at any symptoms, but believing that you're going to be well? Will you promise God to do that? Raise your hands, if you will. God bless you. You're bound to see something happen in that line. You just got to. 
I just feel in my heart tonight, as a servant of God, that something's fixing to happen. All right. I want you to pray with me as I pray. I, as you come to keep me, to, that discernment's trying to stay on me. And I want you to just tell me what's wrong with you as you come. What is your trouble, son? Kidneys in the back. You believe that Christ will heal you, young man? What a fine-looking, great, strong man like that. And to think the devil will afflict a young fellow like that. You believe the Lord Jesus? You're Christian? Yeah. Believe that he's going to heal you then. Yeah. Let me have your hand just to contact. Dear God, as I stand with this fine-looking, stout, great, big man here and the devil trying to break this Christian down. Satan, you are defeated. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to drive you from this man's body and this prayer of faith I offered as I was commissioned by an angel to do this. In Jesus Christ's name, leave him and may he be well. Amen. I believe just as sure as we're a man standing here shaking each other's hands, you'll be well. Amen. God bless you. All right. What's your trouble, Dad? In the kidneys. In the back. In your throat. Dad, some of them might say, well, you're an old man. That don't make any difference. Abraham was 75 before God called him. You believe that Christ will make you well? You believe it with all your heart? Dear Heavenly Father, I look standing here with this man, standing here with this pair of overalls on. I think of my own daddy, would probably be about this age. Oh, God, I pray that you'll help him. Take from him the evil and make him to be well. Grant it, Lord, forgive him of every sin and trespass. And may from this night on that he'll be made well. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you got some habits that smoking and stuff. You stop that now and go on and live for God. You'll get well. Amen. God bless you. That's hurting your stomach and everything's doing that, swallowing that You believe God will heal you the heart trouble and make you? <laughs> you know how I already said it. You believe it? All right. You believe it? He'll do it? Oh, God, our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll heal the woman and will make her completely well and take from her all this trouble in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, sister. Go believe me now. The Bible, what did he tell me? What the Bible say? The prayer of faith shall save the sick. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Amen. That's his word. What's your trouble, sister? Says my trouble. All right. You believe that God will make you well? Oh, blessed God, as this dear woman stands here, first time meeting her in life, but she's come to this platform to believe on you, to stand before this audience to confess her faith in you. She's bothered with this intestine trouble. Thou knowest her, Lord, and I now curse this disease as your servant, that your presence is here, and ask it to leave her, and may from this hour she begin getting well and law and leave her. In Christ's name I pray, amen. God bless you, mother. Go and may the Lord bless you. All right, sister. You believe in Jesus make you well? Bless your little heart. Are you real weak, I you believe Jesus let you get well? Don't tell you something, sweetheart. Did you know Brother Branham a long time ago wore great big thick glasses and he had to lead me around? I couldn't see. And one night, Jesus made me well. I'll think of that. Now, you know why he made me well? i got a little girl at home named Sarah. She's just about your size. She's crying the day when Daddy left. She said, Daddy, you always leave me. Why don't you stay home with me? But Jesus knew I must come up here and pray for you that you'd be well. And that's what I come for. And you're a sweet little girl. And I believe God's going to make you. 
Now, blessed Heavenly Father, as I hold this little child to my arm, now think of my little Sarah and Rebecca at home. But, oh God, you said he that won't forsake his own and follow after me is not worthy to be my disciple. Oh, it's such a little thing to do, to think that you did so much for us. And I bless this little child. And, oh God, may this bad eyes, may they be normal. May the sight come to them good, and may she be well. And may, before this meeting is over, may she be showing us that she can see good. Granted, Father, I curse this thing in the name of Jesus Christ, this blindness of her eyes. Amen. Bless you, sweetheart. Believe you're going to be all right. You believe it in You show us God. Your trouble, brother? Hearing. Which ear is it? Both. Just hard of hearing? Quite a bit. You read lips, I suppose, then it is. But you can hear me speaking now. And I'm close. Oh, get away from me, can you? Well, you believe that God will give you your hearing? I just Heavenly Father, the man stands hearing. The Bible said when the deaf spirit went out of the man, he could hear. I ask that in Christ's name that you'll give him his hearing. He says he can't hear it any distance away. And I pray that you'll restore him this night and make him well. Through Jesus Christ's name, I ask for the glory of God and curse this deaf spirit. Amen. Now, I believe you're going to be all right now. Walk over there just a minute. Now, I want you to turn around and look back at your feet just a minute. Can you hear me now? I do. You hear me now? You hear me now? I do. You're well. It's just that simple. Where's the little girl was prayed for? I want her mother to check her just in a few minutes. What's your trouble, sir? Oh, you believe that God will heal you and he will put this part in your body that would take the place of the capsule. You believe that God will do that? You believe sometimes if we ask God, God will make it so you won't have to take him anymore. Wouldn't that be nice? The doctor said, well, you're well. You don't need him anymore. Wouldn't that be wonderful? He'd be happy about it too, of you. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray for this dear man. And I ask that your spirit do this, which it cannot be done by mankind. Take away this trouble from him. And may from this day on, may he begin to get well and men and be strong and healthy again. I ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Nothing I can show or nothing, but we'll believe. Will you believe with me? God bless you. Here's the little boy that's just speech. Let's just bow our heads just a moment, will you? Everybody bow your head. He's a little baby boy. You his father? Or you believe now with all your heart. Blessed Savior, this little chap standing here, and what would it be to be like this? And maybe the little fellow is too little to have any conception of knowing what real faith would be, but just as Papa would promise him a, a little suit or something, he'd look forward to getting it. And maybe we pray that he's looking forward right now to this healing of his speech. And the Bible said, when the dumb spirit left the man, he could speak, and thou art God. And we pray that you, not as we ask signs, no, Lord, we believe your word. We've seen you stand here. You know the secret of every heart. And right at this minute, you can reveal anything to people in here because thou art a revealer of the secrets of hearts of man. Daniel claimed that. And the Bible claims it. And we know that it's true. 
Thou knowest the secret of the heart. Ten, eleven years ago, you let me tell this same audience that that would come to pass, and they are living here today to see it come to pass. That's enough for us, Lord. We believe. Now, just that it might be said that the little boy who is so small he can't have faith hardly for himself, let the speech come clear to him now, Lord, that he can speak. I ask in Christ's name. Now, with every head bowed, everyone in prayer, want to take the little lad. What's his name? Philip. One time, a man named Philip went and got a man named Nathaniel. And he brought him. If Jesus could heal you, maybe you could get some other little boy if you could talk to him. I want you to say what I say, Philip. I want you to believe now, Philip. Say, I love Jesus. I say it out loud. I love Jesus. All right, raise your head. Philip, say, I, I love, love Jesus. Jesus. Praise, Praise God. God. It's over, brother. Let's say praise the Lord, everyone. Lord. Give goodness to you. You're stunning, man. All right. Blessed Heavenly Father, we thank Thee that the curse can be moved in a moment. Thou art Christ, the all-nipotent, on, on the present God. Take the stomach trouble from this, our brother who stands confessing that he is sick and believes in you. He walked before this audience to confess his faith. May he be healed, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, my brother. All right. All right, brother, what do you want God to do for you? <laughs> cancer. Well, it's a black thing, but Christ is the healer. Now look, don't look at cancer, look at what God said. God said, I'm the Lord who heals all your diseases. Now, blessed Lord, we look away tonight from cancer. We look away from any symptoms. We look to you, Lord. Jonah, in the belly of the whale, said, once more will I look to your holy temple. And now, once more we look to Christ, laying hands upon this sick man and cursing this demon called cancer and asking for his life to be spared. Through Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you, brother. I believe that you'll be well. You believe in you? God bless you, then you can have what you ask for. You believe in Christ will make you well, but I look. Did you see what he do, does here in the meeting? You know that has to come from some supernatural power. It ain't in man to do that. No. You got a murmur in your heart. Clever. Last words when you're laying down when you're standing up. See, that's right. See, it's right here before me. I've seen you laying on the bed trying to hold yourself like this. That's the reason I said that. Now, that's right. See, he's present. Now, he can tell me what's your trouble. And all of a look at you here a moment, it would just go right on. But the thing of it is, I can't heal because he's already done it. It's to make you believe that he has done it and is here now, wanting to heal you. Oh, isn't it wonderful? These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's what he said. Blessed Lord, thou art no respective person. I pray that you'll heal this man from the heart trouble and let him get well and may it not bother him no more from this night henceforth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, my dear brother. Make you well. All right, sir, I see you have the policy. 
You believe that Christ will heal you? You accept him as your healer? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for this dear man. He's shaking now with a palsy. And we know that only you can do this. And I pray that you'll grant it. And may his faith look right away now into the heavens. And believe you. And may he get well. Come back showing us that he's well and normal. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, believe with all your heart. All right, sir. Go and receive your healing. All right. Ah. Little cripple boy. All right, look here, sonny. Just a moment. The little boy has cerebral palsy. Now, I want you to bow your head while I pray for this little lad. Blessed Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for this poor little boy. Without speaking, without looking back into his life, I just ask for you to be merciful and grant, Lord, that this little boy will start to walk in by himself and will be made well. Oh, may each hour his people see that he's getting better and may he get completely well. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Now, I'm going to ask you to bow your head just a little bit. I'm going to check with the little boy just so, is his parents here going to be exposed for someone who's his mother standing down here? All right. Now, I just want to check with you. Now, everybody, your head now, but the mother. Now, Sonny boy, you believe you go, Jesus will let you get well? I want you to walk with Brother Brandon. Just make your foot yourself. Step right up like this with your foot. That's it. That's the boy. Amen. Now, audience, you can raise your hand. Now, come on, walk with me. There he is. That's my friend of all. Give God praise. Heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight for Jesus, the Son of God, who heals the sick. And we don't ask for miracles, Lord, but you're so good to show us that you're here through signs and wonders of the living God. And we thank thee with all of our hearts, and we show our appreciation the best that we know how in giving thee praise. Oh, receive us, Lord Jesus, and bless us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Your trouble, my brother. My trouble. Are you in here? I thought so. I was seeing you sitting down there. Well, I could say lots now. But did you know God gave you this country? Your people. My country, the Indian, got a raw deal. Little pension. I picked up some of them from Canada the other day in Maine. I realize you don't get enough money. You have to work to make your living. That's political the nation. But there's somebody here now who loves you, who will give you the right kind of a deal. That's your Savior, Christ. Just as certain as I'm standing here, I believe he's going to heal you this heart trouble. Blessed Jesus, as I hold this native of Canada by the hand, the real Canadian, the one that you gave the land to, and I pray for him, dear God. And he's our brother. And he's here with one of the most dangerous diseases there is, heart trouble. But he's a Christian and he believes you. And I ask with all my heart that you'll heal him and take away this heart trouble. May it never bother him from this hour on. I curse this enemy of his body called heart trouble in Christ's name. May it leave him and go into outer darkness and never bother him again. Amen. Bless you, my brother. I believe it'll be over now. Your trouble, you believe in Christ. 
Blessed God, this dear woman standing here believing with all of her heart that you will heal her and make her well. I ask that this pressure drop in her blood and may she be made well and live a normal life from now on. Granted, Father, in Christ's name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You believe, Mother, that God will make you well. Blessed Savior, I hold my hand up on the hand of this dear woman. And her legs and feet are giving away. But may tonight she lean over on the everlasting arm. And may the God of heaven who sent Christ and died in our stead, that was wounded for our transgressions, and with his stripes we were healed, may it be applied to her case tonight as I pray this prayer of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, sister. Not with any excitement or anything, but I believe that you're going to be with. Well. That's your head. What's your trust? And makes you breathe and cough. You believe that he will make you well? Your spirit feels that you're good. So you, uh, you believe him with all your heart and you'll get well. Dear Heavenly Father, as I hold this little Canadian Indian by the hand, I pray that you'll heal her. God Almighty, who raised up Christ from the dead, grant to her the healing. There's no medicine for this. The doctors can't even find nothing. Not even a remedy. But Lord, we're not coming tonight to a remedy. We're coming to a cure. Christ, the Son of God. Cursed be this asthma on the woman. And may she be made well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, sister. Now go and be made well. In Christ's name. Of course, we can see the woman is blind. I was just preaching a while ago about blind Bartimaeus. <laughs> Mother, you believe that Christ will heal you? I can only pray Christ does the healing. We know that. Let's bow our heads just a minute. As I look at her gentle, kind-looking, old motherly face, God only knows what she's gone through. I looked out this poor little wrinkled hand. No doubt it's patted little babies on the cheek and washed clothes for them. No one knows the sorrows that's passed over her brow, but Christ alone. But as a mother and as a woman, I'm asking Christ to do something. Oh, blessed God, who made the heavens and earth, cursed be the blindness on this woman's eye, and may she this night be healed, and may that spirit of blindness that's on her eyes begin to move back, and may sight begin to break into her eyes this very hour. Blessed Father, your humble, unprofitable servant, praise this prayer of faith to the best of my knowledge for this gentle, sweet-looking little woman standing here. Now I ask for sight in her eyes, in Christ's name. Now keep her head bowed just a moment. I'm not asking that this has to be done for sight, but I'm asking that Christ will just do a little something here to encourage her. A blind person always seems to be so, oh, so tore up or something. You're sitting in a dark world. Now, everybody, just be silently and in prayer with your heads bowed. As you have your eyes over the lids, the lids over your eyeballs, I'll hold that way just a moment. And now, I want you to look directly at me. In Christ's name. Can you see me? You can see me. Wonderful. Touch my nose. 
Well, bless the Lord. Open your eyes, everybody. She can see. The Lord has healed her. Touch my nose. Amen. Let's say praise the Lord, everybody. Can you show us Well, she count them. Just go count down and show me. Just go along with your fingers. Just saying, like pointing to them. So they can see. The yes, huh? Let's say praise the Lord. Amen. What happened? God bless you, Mother. Go right off the platform rejoicing. What? She's walking by herself. Let's say praise the Lord. Everybody. Let's bow our heads now and thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight. Thou does restore sight to the blind. And now, Lord, we realize that this little woman made these eyes continually as that spirit left and sight began to peep into her eyes again. It elated her, Lord. It made her happy. It makes us happy. I pray that it will continue to grow her sight in her eyes until she's perfectly normal again. I ask in Jesus' name and thank you for what you've done. Amen. Let me explain something to you. See, being blind, the blind spirit turned loose of those of those sight, that uh, the vision. And when the spirit left it, look here, uh, watch here. What if a transparent band was around my hand, cutting off the circulation? Now, you don't have to take my fingers off. Now, what does a doctor do? He operates on anything that he can see or feel. That's the only senses he can work with. What he can see, what he can feel. Now, if it's blind, those nerves went dead in the eye. Now, what happened when the nerves went dead? They didn't go dead all over the body. What in that little boy's ears a while ago? That was death. What about in the vocal cords of the mute that couldn't speak? They say it went dead. They can't see what to operate on. There's nothing there to operate. They say the, the nerve went dead. Well, why didn't it die all over the body? Why didn't it just die there? Now, what it is, the Bible said that it's a blind spirit. How many knows that? The Bible said it's a deaf spirit, a dumb spirit. Is that right? While the spirit has cut off the circulation. Now, remove that. Of course, it'll be sore a little bit, but circulation starts back. If nature is not hindered, it'll work perfect. The devil hinders nature. And when it does, there it is. Then move the cause, the cure is sure. Is that right? Now, when the blind spirit went out, she could see. That's all. If she'll keep believing, now in about 24 hours, she'll be seen better all the time. Then in about 72 hours, she may go totally blind again. Then after that, if she'll just keep on believing, then it'll start coming back and be normal again. Or she just believe, don't doubt, but have faith. All right. Yours is You believe that God will heal you? Blessed Heavenly Father, I pray that you will heal this woman and make her well. Take away this bladder condition and heal her. You can make the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak and the blind to see, the crippled to walk, while you're God. You know the discernment of the heart, and I'm the Lord who heals all your diseases. And they know that this spirit now that's moving here is not mental telepathy, nor a fortune teller. They know it's the Christ who heals. And we pray that you'll heal her in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, sister. But you want Jesus to heal you with. Oh, which ear is it? You believe that he'll give you hearing in If you believe it, you'll do it. I'm, I'm trying to stop in line now for a miracle. God can do this. The woman's deaf in her left ear. How long has it been since you heard out of your left ear? Forty years since she's heard out of her left ear. How many believe God can put the hearing back in that ear? Or just bow your head just a moment. I'll be real reverent if you will, just a moment. Now, blessed Heavenly Father, 
I only understand now why that you're doing this, but I ask you once more. This woman here is suffering with arthritis. She's deaf in her left ear. For 40 years, that ear has been deaf. Thou art crying. I pray that you'll heal her, Lord. And we don't ask for a miracle. But could we find favor, Lord, that the people might know this? When you were here on earth, they seen you as you discerned the thoughts of the people. And they know and believe that you, or they thought, rather, that you were an evil spirit. And they called the Holy Spirit in you an unclean thing. And you said that was blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. But after you were crucified and the blood was shed, and now he's come to do his work under the shed blood, we know blasphemy of that is unpardonable. And we pray, God, that if any of us has any thoughts evil, that you will forgive us for it. We don't want to be found in that condition at your coming, Lord, or when you call us from the earth. But that the people might know that this spirit who can know the secret of the heart also is the Christ who heals. And we know that the devil has no power to heal and cannot heal. For God said, I'm the Lord who heals all thy diseases. Satan cannot heal. Neither could Jambus and Jambus take away the, the, make the healing. They could bring the diseases because it was of the devil, but they couldn't take it away. And Moses and Aaron was the only one who could heal, could cure by God. They could take the plague away and take the curse away, but the magicians could bring the curse but not take it away. God's the only healer. And now I pray that you'll grant these things, and I believe you are granting them tonight, that the people might, might know that this is not a telepathy, it's you permitting it to be done for your glory. I ask for hearing in this ear, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now with your heads bowed, this ear, this is one that's dead. All right. Do you hear me now? Can you hear me now? All right, you may raise your head. Now watch here. I'll take my thumb, a wide of my thumb, place it on the lady's ear, press it in. Do you hear me, lady? Say amen. I love the Lord. It's all right. Your arthritis gone too? You're well. Let's say praise the Lord. Now, what's God permitting that tonight? The deaf, the dumb, the speech, the sight, the crippled. What's he doing it for? You see, the Pharisees knew, or they believed because he could discern their thoughts, they said he's Beelzebub. But they couldn't understand how he could heal. That's it. For there is no healing outside of God. How many knows that? Let me say tonight, just, just in a moment, before going with the prayer line further. There is no other healing in the world but divine healing. And I ask any doctor to prove that there's any other healing besides divine healing. People hollering against divine healing. There is no other healing but divine healing. What if you break your arm? What does the doctor do? Heal it? He sets it. God heals it. If there, he can move a destruction, what if he got a tumor? He can cut it out, but who does the healing? Show me a medicine that will develop cells and you can pour it in a pan and make a man out of it. God is the only one can heal. No hospital, no doctor. There never was anything that healed but God. Because God alone is the creator. And God is the only one who can create and develop cells and calcium and knit bones and heal the body. How many knows that to be true? So don't be against hospitals. Don't be against doctors. They're just doing a part, moving obstructions and things like that. But God is the only one can heal because the devil can't create. How many knows the devil can't create? 
He can only pervert what is created. Is that right? What is unrighteousness? It's righteousness perverted. Here, you're a mixed audience. I'm talking plain to you tonight. But I feel to do this. For instance, you are you married man. You live with your wife. It's, it's, that's your wife. That's all right. That's, that's what God said to you. But another woman, or another man, is absolutely sin and you go to hell for doing it. What is it? It's the same act, but it's perverted. See? What is unrighteousness? It's righteousness perverted. What is a lie? Is a truth misrepresented. See? That's right. So what? Who can heal? God alone. No medicine. There's not one medicine that can heal. There's none that claims to heal. It only kills germs and 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 the things like that while God does the healing because God's the only one who can create that back. You say, what about penicillin, Brother Branham? They give you a shot of penicillin for the flu. All right, here's what it is. Perhaps your house gets full of rats and you go put out some rat poison and you kill all the rats. That don't patch the holes. It only kills the rats. <laughs> And that's what penicillin does. It kills the rats that's inside of you, and God has to heal the, the part that's torn down by the rats. God's the healer. Sure. It's not nothing way away. It's just right here with us. It's God. Amen. I feel real religious tonight somehow. I just, I just feel real good. I'm so glad to see our Lord helping his people. All right, my sister. What do you want the Lord to heal you of? You believe he'll heal you? Blessed Father, 